Welcome to the Good Fiction Podcast. Join us as we continue with Darkest Darker Dark, Episode 2. Debbie watched Nathan as he pushed the needle into the swollen vein on his right arm. The disposable plastic syringe first filled with blood as he released the piece of cloth he tied around the top portion of his arm in order to find a vein. Then he pushed the plunger and the blood-heroin mixture emptied. Not much. Just enough to fly for a while. The blood fired out of his arm like a little squirt gun when he removed the needle. Debbie had a band-aid ready to go. She knew the drill. None of that for her, thank you. She tried it and just didn't like it. It wasn't her cup of tea, but she didn't mind Nathan doing it. She liked the way he was when he was floating, as they called it. Floating was good. It felt good. Some people got there with heroin. Some people used meth or ate ecstasy. Debbie just liked plain old pot. A big fatty with a glass of wine when she could get it was her way of floating. She especially liked floating at school. Listening to a lecture in Mr. Marshall's history class while floating somewhere between the clouds and the moon was absolutely awesome. What a great way to celebrate her independence from mom and dad for a weekend by starting a Friday morning getting high. Nathan helped her get the pot smell out of the kitchen where she'd smoked a joint just before he had gotten there. Some visine for the eyes and big red gum for the breath, and off they went. Debbie was feeling a little more wild than usual and had decided to push the dress coat just a bit. Her black skirt, which was supposed to be knee-length, barely covered most of her thighs. Her tight black shirt had a tendency to raise up and expose her gold belly button ring. She was really feeling her independence and individuality, too. Despite the fact that she was wearing something that her mother would never have let her leave the house in to go to school, she maintained her principles. Her principles were maintained on makeup. The only makeup she allowed herself was lip gloss. She didn't believe in the rest of it. Nathan was dressed in his normal everyday garb. Levi's, a polo, Skechers, and the strut of confidence that attracted the girls to him. He parted his jet black hair in the middle and let it carelessly fall over his ears and collar. The black wire-framed glasses he wore gave him a studious look. Debbie had her hair down and meticulously brushed. She pulled it back away from her face and behind her ear so Nathan could kiss her cheek as he went floating off the first period algebra. She went to her locker, then the trip that was history class. She didn't like small talk and girlish gossip, and especially not when floating. It made her paranoid. She saw it as so immature and petty. 
She wondered how well her visine had worked as she walked into the classroom and said hello to the few girls and a couple of guys that she knew. Mr. Marshall had unassigned seats, thank God. The back row was her spot. Yeah, she was back there with the stoners who slept through class. She wasn't like them, though. She was different. Most of those guys and a few girls around the school were just giving school one more year to please their parents, then were going to drop out. This wasn't Debbie's plan at all. Sure, she liked to party just like the next stoner girl, but she also realized the importance of her education. She made good grades, too. Studied, was starting to think about colleges and doing all those things that good, responsible girls her age should be doing in regard to their future. She was serious about it. She'd long since given up on the drill team. The year she spent on the track team had been a big bust. She tried some different things, but her place was with Nathan and planning for their future. Not with the jocks, not with the stoners. She was sure of her place. She had found people like her, too. People that thought like her and Nathan. She found people that really weren't jocks or even though they liked to get high, not really with the stoner crowd either. Her friends, like her, were black. They were smart. They hung out at a teen-only club called Nighttime on Friday and Saturday nights. That was where she felt the most comfortable. When she was there, she was among friends. Unfortunately, no one from that club scene went to her school, so... For the most part, she just stayed to herself, her and her black clothes, her and her focus on Nathan, her and her focus on school. She really liked Mr. Marshall. He had taught history at the middle school and had moved to the high school when she started her freshman year. She'd actually had him for all of her history classes up to that point. She loved his teaching style, informative, with a variety of activities that helped her remember the information long after she'd been tested on it. She still remembered things she'd learned years ago in her sixth grade social studies class. Funny, because she couldn't even remember who her teachers were last year. Besides, although she had no proof, she had always had a feeling that Mr. Marshall understood her, that he knew she partied and didn't necessarily care. Over the years, she had noticed that he didn't quite conform to the norm either. Jeans every day. He never wore a tie like the self-righteous do-gooders who thought they could change the world by teaching ninth-grade science. His brown, curly hair was long but neat. Mr. Marshall was short and almost chubby. Miss Duke, he called her as she came into class. Good morning, she answered. He started the class and eventually had everyone working in groups. It was then that he retreated to his desk and called her over for a chat. A little underdressed today, young lady, he said flatly. She didn't let it bother her. 
she knew he wouldn't send her to the office. It's warm today. One needs ventilation, said Debbie, still smiling. You know, you won't make it until lunch before the Gestapo sends you home for showing too much leg and a belly button. Mr. Marshall leaned over his desk to make sure their conversation went unheard. Debbie leaned forward, too. Good, she said. I see, so it's a conspiracy, said Marshall. A long weekend would be nice. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Debbie was still buzzing hard and couldn't wipe the smile from her face. Mr. Marshall used his pointing finger to beckon Debbie to move even closer. You reap this, dude. Reap? Debbie wondered if she looked as paranoid as she instantly felt. A little visine, a little breath mint, maybe. She was busted. No sense in hiding it now. Takes one to know one, she said. I ought to call your parents, he said, whispering well enough to keep the conversation from even the most curious ears. Debbie didn't respond. I won't, though. Listen to me. You're going to get yourself into trouble. Think about what you're doing. I did try to disguise it, she said. Like how? Like Visine and some gum? Look. I shouldn't do this because it's, well, wrong, but I'm going to give you a little advice, okay? Okay? Debbie was feeling a little bit better now. He wasn't going to narc on her. It's in your hair, he said. My hair? That smell gets in your hair, and well, Miss Deed, you're going to smell like you've just smoked a doobie every time you pass someone. A what? She giggled. She was trying to keep her voice down. A doobie? Is that what old people call weed? Before Mr. Marshall could answer, there was a knock at the classroom door. The five groups of four or five students looked up briefly then went back to softly chattering about their assignment. Mr. Marshall met them just inside the classroom door. Miss Johnson whispered something into Mr. Marshall's ear, and all three of them stepped out into the hallway. Debbie took this as their cue to return to her group and to start working. Quite a bit of time passed before Mr. Marshall came back into the room. The groups had all finished their assignments and were talking quietly when he finally returned. The look on his face was serious. It wasn't like him to look that way, and Debbie knew right away that something must be wrong. He walked straight to Debbie and hurried quick steps. Hey, Miss Dude, he said softly. Miss Applewhite wants to see you in her office. Debbie's worry went to anger. After all the classes and years she'd known Mr. Marshall and thought that she could trust him, he told on her. Marked her out. Just great, she thought. Her parents would never let her live this down, not to mention how this was going to hurt the time she already had to fight for with Nathan. 
She snatched her books and began to head toward the office. It took everything she had to keep from slamming the door of the classroom behind her or saying something to Mr. Marshall. When she got to the office, she had the strangest feeling that people were staring at her. She managed to catch the eye of a couple of the office employees who quickly looked the other way when they realized Debbie had caught them staring. Heads were down. No one smiled. Mrs. Applewhite, who had the reputation of locking herself in the office doing God knows what and was rarely available to talk to students, was standing in the office waiting for her. Hi, Debbie. Go have a seat in my office. I'll be there in just a second. Debbie did as she was told. Mrs. Applewhite's office had two chairs positioned directly in front of her large wooden desk. A bright yellow beanbag chair was in the far corner. Debbie chose the beanbag chair. She flopped down and tossed her books recklessly to the side of the chair. She glanced around the office that had really fake wood paneling. A strange picture of fish, all swimming in different directions that took up most of one wall, and a bookshelf that had what looked to be textbooks and scattered knickknacks. Brass fish for bookends. A small picture in a brass frame of a gold fish. Man, this woman had a thing for fish. On her desk was a trifold frame displaying what Debbie guessed were her husband and two small children. One thing was for sure. This woman wasn't going to condone pot smoking. Debbie stewed in her anger toward Mr. Marshall. She just couldn't believe he would do this to her. By the time Miss Applewhite finally made it to her office, Debbie had worked herself into a real fit emotionally and was ready to pounce on the counselor. Miss Applewhite was a tall, slender woman who looked to be in her mid to early 30s. The blonde hair piled on her head like a beehive probably looked nice when she wasn't trying to look so professional. Red lipstick and long, very fake red nails didn't help much either. Her beige knee-length skirt and jacket to match covered most of her white blouse. Why don't you come sit up here, she said, pointing to one of the chairs that were directly in front of her desk as she took her place behind the desk. She felt like asking her if she wanted to go fishing, but that would make matters only worse. Best just to sit there and let her explain the dangers of pot smoking. Maybe if she let her get through her speech, she'd go lightly on punishing her. It wasn't as if they had actually caught her with any weed. Maybe it wasn't going to be that bad after all. Mrs. Applewhite leaned forward and rested her hands on her desk, interlocking her fingers. Debbie, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. Oh God, here it comes, thought Debbie. Just be cool, don't blow up. Maybe she won't call mom and dad. Debbie, about 30 
Was this conversation going to go where she thought it was going? It didn't seem to have much to do about smoking pot. Debbie, your parents' plane has gone down. Debbie had never felt the surge of shock that flooded her body. What are you talking about? Her voice was uncontrollably raised. Mrs. Applewhite was beginning to struggle to maintain her composure. Debbie could see that, and it only added to the feeling she was having. Debbie, the Coast Guard found their bodies. There was identification on them. I'm so, so sorry, honey. Miss Applewhite abandoned her side of the desk and came around to where Debbie sat, her hands now clutching her face. Debbie, we're here for you. Whatever you need, please let us know. And but Debbie wouldn't hear any of it. So what are you saying? She demanded. My parents' plane crashed and they were killed. I'm sorry, Debbie. Said Miss Applewhite. There's no way. No. How do they know it was them? Passport, driver's license, maybe, said Miss Applewhite. I'm not sure. They were able to gather enough information to locate you here at school. Debbie, there's really no mistake, honey. I'm so, so sorry. No, this can't be right. No, Debbie began to stand and was met by Miss Applewhite's arms. She grabbed her and hugged her hard. At first, Debbie tried to struggle and get herself free from the counselor's embrace, but then she gave in. Both were sobbing. There was no mistake. Thank you for listening. Join us next time as we continue with Darkest Dark